Hello, and welcome to the Reach or Miss Show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur, where Hayut Yogev speaks with entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs about reaching or missing the critical point of approaching the right customer with the right message at the right time and place. The point where business success starts. And here is your host, Hayut Yogev. Rich or Miss, episode 208. Hey, my riches, how are you today? I'm Hayut with a new episode of the Rich or Miss podcast. I fall in love with the story of my guest today, Brian Clayton, who started from mowing grass to co-founding what Entrepreneur Magazine called the Uber for Lung Care, doing $20 million a year. And the reason I love this story so much is because that's the new entrepreneurial opportunity which is open for anyone at any starting point. We are in the era of endless opportunities and anyone can create their future success story. And while talking about success stories, I want to invite you to my free masterclass about seven free practical ways to get more customers that I believe will help you create your success stories. So go to getcustomerswebinar.com, getcustomerswebinar.com and join me there. And now, let's learn as much as we can from the success story of Brian Clayton. Brian Clayton is CEO and co-founder of GreenPal, an online marketplace that connects homeowners with local lawn care professionals. GreenPal has been called the Uber for Lawn Care by Entrepreneur Magazine and has over 200,000 active users completing thousands of transactions per day. Before starting GreenPal, Brian Clayton founded Pitch Tree Inc., one of the largest landscaping companies in the state of Tennessee, growing it to over $10 million a year in annual revenue before it was acquired by Lusa Holdings in 2013. Brian's interest and expertise are related to entrepreneurialism, small business growth, marketing, and bootstrapping businesses from zero revenue to profitability and exit. Brian Clayton, what a pleasure to have you here. Hi. Thanks for having me on. It's great to be here. It's a real pleasure to have you here. And I just shared with our listeners what you've done until now. And I would like you to share with us what are you doing and most passionate about today and where are you heading? Yeah, so right now I am the co-founder and CEO of a company called GreenPal, which in one sentence is kind of like the Uber for lawn mowing. So let's say you have a yard, you need to get it mowed. Rather than calling around on Craigslist or Facebook, you can just download our app and somebody will come mow your yard the next day and you can pay them right through the app. Been at this business for about uh, eight years, and uh, we have over 300,000 people using the app, doing $20 million a year in revenue, and so we're kind of an eight-year overnight success. And this is all over the States. Where are you located? 
So uh, we've been at this eight years. The first four years, we were just in one city in, in Nashville, Tennessee, where I live, until we could figure out how mm. to make it work. And then after four years of just staying in one town, one city, we began to expand into other cities throughout the United States. And so now we're in every major city, coast to coast in the United States, and, and soon we'll be in Canada and, and uh, UK and Australia. Fantastic. And where are you heading? It seems like uh, you're growing and growing. Where are you heading? Yeah, so the business has doubled year over year for the past six years. And so wow. that's, that's the cadence we want to stay on until the numbers just get too big. But uh, for the last six years, we've been able to double the business every year. Even you know, last year with COVID, uh, we were still able to double revenue. And so that's where we're headed. Um, we still have a long way to go. We really want the, the app and the brand to be kind of in the lexicon of the English language and in the same way that you would like Uber to the airport. You know, we want GreenPal to have mm-hmm. that mind share around this one service to where, you know, anybody that needs to get this one chore done, you just automatically think of our, our app, our brand to get it done. And how did it start? Well, it started, um, believe it or not, my first company was actually a lawn mowing business. I, so rewind 20 years ago, I started mowing grass as a way to make extra cash to put myself through college. Hmm. And when I graduated college, I just had to make a decision. Was I going to stick with this little lawn mowing business I had or, or go into the job market? And luckily, I, I just decided to stay with the lawn mowing business and didn't really want to be a grass cutting guy my whole life. But I was making good money. Hmm. I, was, I was earning a good living and I kind of liked it. It was exciting. And made a little business plan and I, I grew that little lawn mowing business into the one of the largest landscaping companies in the state of Tennessee where I live Wow got it over 150 employees over 10 million dollars a year in revenue and in 2013 that business was acquired by one of the largest landscaping companies in the United States and so you know growing that business just me and a push mower to 150 people I learned a lot just through trial and error and kind of the hard way of how to grow a business how to get a business to profitability and And how to get a business sold and uh, after I sold that business I kind of took some time off I retired and I quite honestly got bored I <laughs> figured out that I figured out something about myself that business is kind of the thing that lends me purpose it's the thing that makes my life interesting and I realized that about myself and I thought okay well it's time to start the next thing what should I what should I do now and so the idea for green pal was was a real straightforward one for me I was kind of solving my own problem you know kind of solving the The things I saw over the last 15 years of, of growing a landscaping mm-hmm. business I thought okay an app needs to exist to make this easier kind of like Airbnb and uber and Lyft I thought okay an app needs to needs Amazing. to exist to make this a lot easier than it is right now and so I, uh, I recruited two co-founders and we went to work and luckily we didn't realize we didn't know what we didn't know we didn't really understand. <laughs> <laughs> otherwise you wouldn't stop we wouldn't have done it <laughs> yeah <laughs> we had known how hard it was going to be and how difficult and challenging you know just just the technology side of it was and is and also the dynamics of building a marketplace that connects buyers and sellers we really didn't even know the first thing about any of that stuff and so we uh, the, the way we kind of got over that is we just didn't give up we just stuck with it we, we focused on little goals and uh, and got those done and kept on making the app better and better. One thing that got us through those early hard years was was we would just make it extremely easy for anybody to talk to us and so we would always talk to our users and our customers to try to get that feedback to understand what it was we needed to work on and uh, you know we just stuck at it and we kept applying that feedback and kept improving the app and here we are eight years later and, and we we have a profitable business that's growing 
It sounds so fantastic because I would have never think that we are going to talk about a green power or about a loan business. Right. Cutting loan business. So uh, sounds fantastic. I think there is some sort of correlation between the least exciting, least glamorous, the least sexy your business is, the greater your odds of success. And so for us, you know, I've spent 20 years in this one industry that's not glamorous, it's not exciting, um, but it doesn't, have a, it doesn't have a whole lot of people looking at it. It doesn't have a whole lot of people hmm. to innovate in this industry. And so that was one reason why I was successful in my first business as a landscaping contractor and now in my second business as a tech startup in the landscaping industry. It's that you can kind of take ideas and methodology from other industries that are might be more glamorous that attract more venture capital and you can apply them to this thing that really not a whole lot of people are looking at and so long as you're willing to work hard and not give up you can you can build something i love this answer i love it you're an entrepreneur and i want to ask you what would be your best advice for any entrepreneur listening to us right now yeah i think you know if if, if you're just getting started You know, my best advice is is to get as many loyal customers as you can, whether it be six, six, a dozen, twenty, a hundred, and just try to just don't don't focus on big goals and big revenue goals. Just focus on little goals, making those people's lives better. If you can mm. really just get an early handful of adopters of loyalists to use your service or your product, and just listen to them as much as you can and build. build solutions to their problems that's how you can get through the first year two years of creating something from scratch you know a lot of tech entrepreneurs that whether they realize it or not they're inventing a new product they're inventing something brand new that does not yet exist right. and that's really really hard it's this it's business is hard enough as it is you know no matter how you look at it but if you're inventing something brand new that does not yet exist you really have to get that feedback from your from whoever is willing to use it and And then and then build things that make their lives better that materially improve their livelihood I think that's how you know we got through the first couple of years and I think that's kind of a methodology that if you're inventing a product from scratch that can help get you through those first few years which are really really tough hmm I love the answer and you probably know that you're not the only one it's the most common answer listen to your customers mainly because they don't Yeah, you know, it's, you, would, you would think you wouldn't have to say it, you know, but, <laughs> but it's something that is often uh, overlooked. And not only listen to your customers, but remove all of the friction that stands between you and your customer and make it so easy for them to talk to you. A, a lot of times we look at our businesses from, from company logic, from the entrepreneur logic, and not customer logic. And so a lot of times there's like a gap that, that forms between you and your business and And what your customer is thinking and you want to do everything you can do to close that gap and the practical way you can do it is just make it super easy for them to be able to talk to you whether it be by phone text email SMS chat you know whatever make it reduce all the friction to where it's as easy for them to talk to you as it is like your mom or your best <laughs> friend connect with them wherever they are sure that's right you've got successes we heard a bit about that and we're going to talk about it in a minute but I want to ask you What is your biggest, most critical failure with customers? The one that affected your entrepreneurial journey the most or almost the most? Yeah, so 
success is a lousy teacher. So if, if <laughs> everything's going right, you know, you're not you're not learning a whole lot. So when you when when you are making mistakes and when you are pissing people off and letting customers down, that's not happening to you. It's happening for you. You can literally use that to learn and make your product or service better. And and so for me, you know, looking back, like when we started GreenPal, we we made several mistakes. One was we thought that the value proposition was going to be to deliver the cheapest way to get your grass cut. We thought, okay, if we can just be five or ten dollars cheaper than than the other way, then people will use the app. And that was a mistake. And and what we didn't really re- understand until about a year later was that we weren't in the business of delivering the cheapest solution. We were in the business of delivering the fastest, most reliable solution. Hmm. And so. The only reason we, we learned that was just by talking to everybody we could talk to and also talking to both, both to people on both sides of the transaction. For a long time, we kind of ignored the supplier side, the vendor side, and that came at a cost because we didn't really understand. If these guys and gals weren't really happy with the product, then they weren't going to use it. And if they weren't going to use it, then we didn't have that Uber-like experience to deliver to homeowners. And so that was a mistake we made in the early days was – not to try to compete on price, but to but to listen to people and understand that we're really in the business of delivering that service provider to you the same day or the next day and 100% of the time. Because in the ordinary world, when you're trying to get this service done, people flake, people don't return phone calls. Um, it just takes a long time to get it done. And we're in the business of solving that problem, not necessarily the cheapest solution. Hmm. Now I would like to ask you to tell us the story of your greatest, most significant success as a result of the right customer focus or something you did right about approaching your customers. Yeah, so once we started to understand our value proposition and really understand, okay, this is how we, this is how we compete in the marketplace and this is how we deliver a solution that's, that's 10 times better than the status quo. We began to acquire a lot of homeowners, a lot of consumers using the app. And what we began to understand was we offer a nice convenience to homeowners, but where we really have impact and where we really, uh, really why we do what we do is for the supplier side, is for the vendor side. And we started seeing stories of, of people that were getting laid off from their full-time job or whatever and would just like out of sheer desperation – join our app as a way to make extra side cash hmm. and as a way to as a way to kind of keep the lights on and we started seeing stories unfold of somebody who had no money no customers no business and all they had was a push mower and they would come on and download our app and and within a year they were making like a hundred thousand dollars a year on wow. our app and that was a that is really what we started to really double down on and 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 focus on it's like okay that's what they were in the business of doing is is offering these service providers a means to make material income and and improve their livelihood and grow their business and and that was really probably year two or three and that's and and that was what got us through those early years that were really hard and was like okay well yeah if we can get this right we can really change some lives here hmm. and without that I don't know that we wouldn't have made it and so a lot of times you know you, the, you hear the advice of focus on your why and your passion I think a lot of times that can like lead you down the wrong direction but If you can find some purpose, some reason for doing what you do, it can help get you through the low points. And that, that's one thing that, that we were able to key in on is, okay, we are offering anybody who's willing to work really hard a means to make material income, and, and we're kind of like a business in a box for them. And that's why we do what we do. It's so amazing because really we are talking about 
cutting lawn and you make it sound sexy. I mean, it's a very interesting business, the way you built it. Yeah, you know, it's a lot of times if you can just peel away the layers of what you're doing, you can get to the essence of it and really understand that, yeah, we're not in the business of cutting grass. We're in the business of changing people's lives by giving them access to the American dream and giving them access to entrepreneurship, whereas they may not have otherwise had that access. <laughs> and grass and, and lawn mowing is kind of just the vehicle for that. And I think every business, if you really kind of can align your objectives and your interests and your hard work with making other people successful, I think it can help you. It can help you be successful. Love it. Brian, can you recommend the best, most effective technological or digital tool that's related to customer focus marketing or sales? However, I'm not looking for the last shiniest tool in the endless list. I'm looking for something that really works for you and helps you succeed and might help other entrepreneurs as well. Yeah, I think, I think when you're marketing and you're trying to get the word out and you're trying to You're trying to reach customers where they are and you're trying to put your product in their hands that's that's like the like really tough right that's the hardest mm-hmm. that's the hardest part of the whole equation like it's not just enough to innovate on a service or a product you also have to innovate on the growth and the marketing of it right and so I think a lot of times we get uh, sidetracked by by shiny objects that that claim to be the the, the one-all be-all and and the reality is is that you really have to drill down and And focus on what channel you're going to reach your customers with and it, and, you know, it could be Instagram Facebook TikTok Twitter YouTube snapchat reddit organic SEO whatever but the but the first thing is figure out which one of these channels you can really compete in and and just focus all of your weight on and then look for the tools that are best in class for that channel and Um, there's not going to be one tool that's going to be great at all of those channels. And so for us, when we were talking to customers in the early days, we started really realizing that a lot of them were just searching on Google for a lawn mowing service out of desperation. And then, so then we realized, okay, well, then that's where we need to be. And then we thought, okay, well, then how do we, how do we compete in, in organic SEO? And then we started to realize, wow, it's really, really hard. Hmm. It's really tough and, and this and so we came to understand that this is going to be like a, a bet the company decision we're going to have to put half of our resources just in this channel and that's when we started to really try, you know figure out okay these are the tools that we need to use to compete in this channel and so for us you know without without some of these tools we wouldn't have been able to, to compete with the big boys and one of those tools is, is called SEM rush hmm. which if, if you're going to like bet the company on SEO you have to measure what you're doing you have to measure the effectiveness of it and you have to invest in a good tool that's going to help make sure you're staying on track and so for us SEM rush is the tool that we we live and die by we, it's <laughs> not cheap we spend a lot of money on it but it's something that's that's helped us put our company on the map and get it to multiple eight figures in revenue wow you know what I often hear especially when we are talking about an app and uh, about a tool that has two sides people say okay where should we start should we start with the suppliers should we start with the customers how does it work for you who did you start with yeah most of the time most of the time you know the person who is spending the money is the harder of the two to get so so for us, We've always been constrained 
on the demand side of the equation, meaning on the on the homeowners, consumers that use the the app. And so we've always had to put like 90% of our effort into getting more of them because the suppliers, we, we have a we, we have such a strong value proposition for them that they're a little easier to get. Now, in the early days, we didn't have any homeowners. Mm-hmm. We didn't have any consumers. And so we kind of had to, we kind of had to like almost promise them and beg them to use it just long enough to where we could go market it to homeowners. And one, one way I was able, we were able to get over that is, the first couple of hundred service providers I personally knew, I met with them, I and I even kind of mentored them and coached them on how to grow their sure. lawn mowing business because I had spent 15 years in that industry before. I, I, I knew it. And so that was kind of the, the glue in the early days because, quite <laughs> frankly, our products sucked. It didn't have the features it needed. You know, we didn't we didn't have the resources to build it out yet. And so it was just kind of like that, that hand-to-hand combat of, of getting suppliers on and keeping them interested just long enough to where you can then get uh, the consumers to use it. And and then you kind of have to repeat that city by city. Uh, every every little market it has to be built from the ground up. And that's what makes these little these, these, these local-based marketplaces really tough. And so for us, you know, the way we got over that is we just we focused everything we could on just one city to make it work. And to make it profitable to where we're making just a little bit of money to where we could invest that into the next city. And then we just rinsed and repeated that over and over again. Hmm. You know, there are many factors that affect one's success. However, I do believe that for each of us, there is one factor that really helps us succeed. And I want to ask you, what is your one key success factor? You know, I'm not the smartest guy. Hmm. I'm, I'm certainly not the most talented for me, it's just been like managing my own psychology and understanding that, you know, you're always going to be just working on your best idea. And, and that's, that's just it. There's no going backwards. There's no giving up. There's no switching to something else. You're always going to be working on your best idea. And so to me, that helps me to stay relentless, uh, stay, stay disciplined, stay focused and, and continuing to just move forward. There's, yeah, there's times, you know, I wanted to give up, but the thing was like, okay, well, what else am I going to do? I don't have any other better ideas, <laughs> so I'm just going to stay working on this thing. And so it's kind of that default, I'm working on this and that's it, kind of helped us get through the early years. And and so uh, there's a new book uh, that Simon Sinek wrote called The Infinite Game. And that's what he talks about in that book is just looking at your business as an infinite game, something that's going to take 10, 20 years if you can reframe it that way, it can help you get through those those difficult periods, especially the early years when you, you're getting over a cold start and there's just nothing nothing's going right. Mm-hmm. That to me, you know, looking back 20 years in business, is the thing that that helped me get through a lot of the hard parts. Is just okay. Well, giving up's not an option. So, what are the two or three things I can work on? Let's work on those and move forward. Mm-hmm. My final question, before I'll ask you what is the best way to connect with you, is my mountain question. And as my listeners already know, I've been imagining the journey of entrepreneurship as climbing a mountain. Step after step after step, and then you reach the peak, and uh, and you get lost in the way, and then you reach the peak, and you want to climb a higher peak, and you have to go down a bit. And at some point, I started to ask my 
guess, and that's what I'm asking you, whether you ever climbed a mountain or wished to climb a mountain, or do you have any relationships with mountains at all? It's a really good question. It's funny you ask it because I actually did climb either the, either the highest or second highest peak in North America this summer. And I had no intentions of doing <laughs> this. It's, it's a mountain called, it's called, it's a mountain called Pico de Orizaba and it's in, it's in Mexico. And I was on a trip in, in Mexico, just kind of, uh, I, I just kind of exploring the country this summer. And I booked a, a tour to go on a hike uh, and I, and I had no intentions of climbing a mountain. I thought this was a hike. And so the guy picks me up and he says, so how long have you been mountaineering? I said, I've never been mountaineering. <laughs> he goes, what, what do you, what do you mean? I said, I said, I've never climbed a mountain in my life. He goes, he goes, do you understand that we're about to climb the, the second highest peak in North America? I said, no, <laughs> he said, yes, this is a, and I, so I didn't really understand what I booked because it was in Spanish. And, <laughs> and so, uh, and so we, we, I said, okay, well, here goes nothing. And he said, he goes, well, where is your gear? I said, I don't, I don't have any, I don't have any gear. I thought this was just a hike. I got some shoes and shorts. And <laughs> he goes, oh man. He's like, okay, well, I'll loan you some stuff. And, and long story short, we get out there and, and, uh, it's about a seven hour drive outside of Mexico city. We get there and, and, and it's about four hours in an off-road vehicle to the, the starting point. And the air is very thin. You, I could barely breathe. And, uh, and we stay the night in this little hut, and the, and about one o'clock in the morning we begin climbing this mountain, and I couldn't I couldn't breathe. I thought there's just no way I can do this, and uh, and and as I got about, I guess about hour two or three of about a twenty hour climb, I started to understand some things and, and realize a few things as it relates to to climbing a mountain and and, and really even like the journey of, of of starting a business. I noticed that this guy. He was like fanatical. Like my guide was almost crazy uh, about climbing this mountain. And he looked back at me and he said, he said, brother, thank you so much for booking this tour because it's only when you book this tour, do I get to be on the hmm. mountain? And it's only when I'm on the mountain, do I feel alive? Wow. And I thought, oh, wow, I wanted to give up, but now I, now I can't <laughs> He wants to be on the mountain. Guy, this guy only feels alive uh, <laughs> when he's on the mountain. So that that got me through a lot of it. Not just the benevolence of not wanting to let this guy down. And, and I, I realized like, wow, that's leadership that this guy is is fanatical about the goal of getting to the pinnacle. He, he and his and his fanaticism like enthused me and got me through it. And so that was like a like a point that that I realized, wow, OK, I'm, I'm learning some life lessons here. And, I, you know. I want to say that to make it in business, you have to have that same kind of fire in your belly. Um, if you're the leader, like you, you got to be fanatical about the success, about getting to the top. And, and if you are, then your co-founders, your employees will, will be infected with that fanaticism as, as well. And, uh, and I, that's the thing I learned, you know, we, we, we got it done. We got to the top and, and we made it back down and, and, uh, you know, he, he, he told me, he said, man, I didn't think you were going to be able to do it. <laughs> uh, you know, he, he said, I looked back at you and I, and I saw the, I saw the struggle in your face. And he said, man, I, I missed that. I wish I could experience that. So it's like, it's like this dude was like the total, total leader, total boss. And I learned a lot from him as it relates to leadership, being a good leader, and also just kind of what it takes to succeed in business is that you just kind of have to have a fanaticism to get to the top. 
and and not being able to to accept failure. And there's no going back. And if you if you have that, then you can bring people with you. Wow, what a story! It's really a fantastic story. I never th- I never heard of someone that didn't mean to climb in a mountain <laughs> and then climbed it by chance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think it was both. It was both trips for me. It was the first and last. I don't believe I'll be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to climb more mountains. Uh, so. I don't think. I think I'm. I think I'm all set on mountains. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, what is the best way to connect with you for any of our listeners that would like to be in touch? Yeah. So anybody in the United States that's listening to this can can just download Green Pal in the App Store or Play Store and check out our app. Uh, anybody that wants to reach me I've been hanging out on LinkedIn a lot more lately so you can just uh, you can reach me on LinkedIn and and, I, and just hit me up there that's great we will have the links in the show notes of this interview and Brian I like to thank you so much it has been a real pleasure hey thanks for having me on I really enjoyed it <laughs> me too and thank you so much take care bye-bye bye-bye And for you, our listeners, until the next time, it all goes down to this. You either reach or miss. Keep reaching your goals and vision. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Reach or Miss Show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur. You can find all the information, links, and resources that was mentioned at the show in our website, reachormiss.com. See you next week.